0: Believe it or not, strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, unbelievable. Believe it.
1: Ripley's believe it or not, incomparable, inevitable, illimitable, inestimable, introducer of immeasurable, unimaginable, incredible impossibilities.
2: Welcome to Ripley's Believe It or Not Cast, the podcast that brings you deep into the strange, the bizarre, and the
1: unusual. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent. So, Ryan, uh, I woke up this morning, um, and I immediately remembered a dream that I must have just been having. And the dream was that I was testifying in a lawsuit against um, a major company. I won't name it, but it was like a racketeering case. And (laughs) because we've been putting together this episode um, it struck me that if I could have become aware that I was dreaming at the time, I could have shaped the case in a way that I couldn't when I was in the dream. Like I had no control over what was happening oh. in this dream. Okay. But because we've been talking about lucid dreaming, right. which is the topic of today's episode, um, it struck me this morning that, man, I, I really wish I could have snapped to like be, had this become conscious of the fact that I was dreaming and shaped the outcome of this case. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And, and could you have then like shaped your your testimony better? And yeah. things like that?
1: <laughs> I could have all of a sudden become yeah. the lead prosecutor.
2: You're like, you can't handle the truth in your <laughs> dream or something like that. But yeah, that's so fascinating.
1: It, it was. And this topic is fascinating. And that's what we're talking about today.
2: It is. I mean, this is uh, the lucid dreams. This is something that I always thought was on the level of like, bigfoot or ufos or something i never really knew that these things were real
1: yes they they are so it's a quick story about that um i was uh, a pretty nerdy um middle school kid and by all accounts i, I still am an, a nerd but um back in maybe seventh or eighth grade i used to read um like psychology today okay. i think was the name of it a magazine and i just remember there was a feature story about lucid dreaming and and this story, the, the point of it was to teach you how to um, prepare yourself for mm. sleep in a way that would allow you to have lucid dreams. <clears throat> and it was like a five step process and it, it involved almost like meditation and, and when you're falling into sleep, you kind of repeat this mantra, I seem to recall, that helped you enter a lucid dream oh, state. Wow.
2: And you were a little kid and you wanted to do this.
1: Yeah. Why? Um, just pure escapism. Because you, you wanted to fly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, I've, I've had maybe a handful of lucid dreams over the course of my lifetime. And I'll tell you, if, if you've ever had one, it is worth trying to get back to it because it, is, it can be an amazing experience.
2: That is super cool. Um, So, okay, so they are real. They've been scientifically proven by several studies. And on this episode of the NotCast, we're going to talk to author, speaker, and current president and CEO of the International Association for the Study of Dreams, Dr. Claire Johnson. Uh, Dr. Johnson will educate us on the topic, and later, uh, you were kind of foreshadowing this, she's going to give us some pointers on how we can learn to lucid dream.
1: We'll also hear from Becky Casarly, a British science writer living and going to school in New Zealand, who is an expert on sleep, everything from sleep deprivation to lucid dreaming. But first, let's meet Dr. Claire Johnson, who wrote her doctoral dissertation on lucid dreaming, a topic she became interested in as a young child after having a near-death dream experience.
3: My name's Dr. Claire Johnson, and I did my PhD on lucid dreaming as a creative writing tool. And I've been a lucid dreamer since I was really young. My first lucid dream was when I was three years old, Um, I was drowning in a swimming pool and I suddenly realized, hey, I could either stay in this dream and drown or I can wake myself up. So I had that flash of lucidity and I chose to wake wake myself up and I fell out of bed and my mum came running and she told me, oh, that wasn't real. That was just a dream. Uh, And that was the moment in my life I really remember because I thought, how could that not be real that was such a real experience you know drowning in that pool it was more real than being here in my room with my mum uh, and so i i guess that was the the start of my curiosity about dreams um, actually back in 1975 dr keith hearn uh, who is a british researcher he, he performed the very first experiment in the sleep laboratory, which proved that lucid dreaming was an actual phenomenon uh, of sleep. And it wasn't just people waking up and thinking they'd known that they were dreaming while they were dreaming. Right. Uh, so he uh, he took a very talented lucid dreamer, Alan Worsley, and uh, hooked him up in the sleep lab and... Uh, and basically monitored him for for various nights. And they had a system where they said, okay, if Alan manages to become lucid in his dream, he's gonna perform a series of eye movements. Because of course, although we all enter a natural paralysis during sleep every night to keep us safe so we don't act out our dreams, our eyes are not paralyzed, as you know from rapid eye movement sleep. You know, the eyes move around all the time during that very vivid dreaming phase. So they figured, hey, it should be possible for him within the lucid dream, to do some sweeping eye movements, look far left, far right, far left, far right. And those would then show up on the electroencephalogram. Um, So that's what they did. And Alan managed it. uh, And he did these eye movements. And uh, Keith Hearn said it was... uh, an amazing moment to you'd be watching, watching the, the the paper coming out of the machine and then suddenly seeing these massive eye movements. Um, and soon after that, Alan uh, woke up from his dream and said, I did it, you know, and, and they'd actually done it. They'd got it sort of scientifically uh, proven that actually you can become conscious while you're in a dream. Uh, and so after that, I mean, that was really the starting point of everything. Then there was Dr. Stephen LaBerge who popularized the ideas uh, more in the U S. and and wrote books on the subject, Um, the ideas really took off. There were pioneers like um, uh, Patricia Garfield, who wrote a book called Creative Dreaming. This was also back in the 70s, um, and that was all about uh, what we can do within lucid dreams. What can we do in terms of creativity? How about self-healing? If we have a nightmare, can we face the nightmare? So she did a lot of work on on that as well. And then the subject, you know, just gradually... uh, gradually took off. But I mean, I can tell you when I was doing my PhD back in uh, around 2003, I still experienced a lot of resistance around the subject uh, because I I would go and speak at conferences about my PhD research and I'd say, um, a bit flippantly, perhaps, you know, oh, I'm doing my PhD research in my sleep <laughs> while I'm lucid in my dreams. <laughs> and I think people are, thought, what's she talking about? That's preposterous. Um, and and I say, no, no, it's, you know, it's a scientific, uh, scientifically proved phenomenon of sleep. Just to be clear,
2: lucid dreaming is an experience in which while you're dreaming, you are aware that you're dreaming. And you have the ability to control nearly all aspects of the dream. The environment, the characters, dialogue, you can grant yourself supernatural abilities, and so on. Dr. Johnson says there are many benefits to the phenomenon. So
3: these days, what I tend to do is... um just relax and enjoy and look around because it's so vivid it's just as vivid as as you and i are sitting here now you look around you see the colors you can touch you can touch things it feels incredibly real um and also what i uh, what i sometimes do is meditate in the lucid dream and that is just an incredibly restful amazing transcendent experience because you don't have a body to distract you you're just in the dream body you don't have like um aches and pains or itches you know you just relax and uh, and go deeply into meditation so you can float in, um, within amazing light uh, f- uh, it feels timeless and wonderful and you wake up feeling deeply refreshed as if you've recharged your batteries so it does kind of depend on what you do and your approach to triggering lucidity So, I mean, there are very many uh, advantages. I think one of the the things that always really excited me uh, was just knowing that you kind of get more out of life, you know, you're not just falling asleep and then for eight hours or whatever, you're just like kind of dead to the world. You you can live incredibly enriching experiences within lucid dreams. Uh, You could, for example, if you want to fly to the moon, you could do that. If you want to meet someone you love who has died, you could ask to meet them in a lucid dream. This can be very healing. I you know, I get people coming to me and saying, "Oh, I'm recently bereaved. I'm missing my my loved one so much. How can I how can I find them in a lucid dream? Um, Because it's so healing. If you manage to to meet that person, you can hug them, you can say words of love. If you didn't have time to, if it was a a sudden death, you know, say what you need to say. Um, And that can be uh, remarkable for the healing journey. Uh, And there are are other things like um, athletes can improve physical skills in lucid dreams. There have been scientific studies done on this as well. And uh, it's it's quite wonderful the way it all works. Um, There was one researcher, Dr. Melanie Schädlich, and uh, she was at the University of Heidelberg in Germany. And she did a study into athletes, how they can um, kind of improve sports skills in their lucid dreams. So one example is of a guy who um, was told by his swimming teacher he would never be good at swimming. um, And he thought, actually, I am gonna be good at swimming. And in his lucid dreams, he started to practice his swimming strokes and he would materialize a swimming pool full of water or a swimming pool full of honey, for example, to test his muscle resistance even um, for fun swam through a load of gummy bears you know those, those little sweeties <laughs> just for fun um, and, it, and it really worked he became actually a, a really really good swimmer and got the highest possible mark um, other people can practice really complicated kickboxing moves in their lucid dreams um, and found that, that the next morning they were just suddenly able to do it this is probably because uh, it strengthens the neuronal connections in their brain you know every it's like it's like in waking life, um, if we if we practice something in waking life, we're obviously using those connections. If we do it through visualization, we also are practicing and strengthening them. And in a lucid dream, it's a three-dimensional, super real reality. You have the kinesthetic feeling in your body.
1: So people can wake up and find out that they've improved upon a skill. Um, on a deeper level, some lucid dreamers have revealed they've experienced a new kind of creativity, or they've learned facts about their own bodies, which can include a real life illness or disease that they discover while dreaming.
3: Um, There was one woman, Wanda Birch, who dreamed that her dead father shouted at her in a dream, you have breast cancer. And she then had another dream um, where it showed her where the cancer was. So she went to her doctor and he couldn't find any cancer. And then she put a dot far under her left breast to show him where to insert the biopsy needle and it actually was a cancer a very aggressive fast-moving cancer that hadn't the cells were amassing in such a way that they didn't allow them to be seen on a mammogram so her dream uh, where her dead father told her that she had the cancer saved her life it enabled her to act really fast on the cancer and in lucid dreams we can ask our dreaming mind Am I healthy? We can do a body scan within the dream, or we can send healing energy to a certain part of our body. So things like that. Uh, There was one artist who would become lucid in a dream and go to an art gallery, and he'd walk around until he found a a painting that he really loved, and then he would wake himself up and do a sketch of that painting. And that's how he got all his inspiration uh, from, from those lucid dreams. Um, and you can also resolve nightmares. This is um, also very important. There have been studies into lucid dream therapy, so it can help people, uh, even who have traumatic, post, like post-traumatic stress disorder, nightmares, um, they found that if people go back into that nightmare. It's a recurring nightmare. They go back in and they're lucidly aware. They know they're dreaming. They know that they're safe. They know that this dream is about a past incident and they can change events within that dream to cause healing, reconciliation. um, And then that alters the course of those nightmares. They don't come back again after that very often. Um, But I will just quickly say that some nightmares should not be faced alone. So if you have really terrible nightmares, you definitely need to see a therapist before you try and face them on your own in a lucid dream. Um, yeah, so I mean that's just uh, some of the things that uh, lucid dreaming can help us with. Uh, a lot of people actually want to have sex when they become lucid in a dream. Uh, and they uh, they just want to have fun and explore. And Patricia Garfield has done a lot of very good work into um, lucid dream sex uh, because she was someone who was very interested in that part of things. She would immediately feel very sexually aroused as soon as she be- became lucid in a dream. Um, and she would... I don't know, do things like plummet from the sky, land in the ocean. And at the moment she landed in the ocean, she would have an orgasm. Um, But also people these days, they they will write to me and tell me the kind of things they get up to in their their lucid dreams, you know, um, dreaming up their perfect partner and enjoying themselves with that partner. So, I mean, there really are no limits within the lucid dream world.
2: So we have to talk about this, right? I mean, so if you like have... Uh, relations with someone in your dream—is it cheating on your spouse or significant other? Is it like if you're out of the area code or like the zip code or something? Like, what's the rule when it comes to lucid dreaming romance? I'm asking for a friend.
1: You know, it's it's so funny that we're talking about this um, because I was just telling someone the other day: every time I plummet through the sky, I have an orgasm. Every. Single. um, Really? Which is why I'm banned from most major skydiving businesses. Uh, Yuck. (laughs) Moving on. In all seriousness, here, um, Dr. Johnson says that she's actually used lucid dreams to heal herself during stressful times.
3: Yeah, I have. I mean, I've, um, I, I had a very powerful experience, um, at a point in my life where, um, it, something very hard happened. Uh, I had a, a newborn baby and, uh, when she was four weeks old, we found her in her cot and she was blue, she wasn't breathing. Um, and obviously it was just dreadful. Um, but we managed Somehow we managed to revive her. I breathed into her lungs and she kind of came back to life. Um, took her to hospital and the doctor said, oh, you know, yeah, she'll be, she should be all right, but uh, this kind of thing is more likely to happen again if it's happened once. And so you can probably imagine how anxious that made me because when she was awake, everything was fine. But when she went to sleep, I thought, you know, it might happen again. So I had to watch her all the time um, and I was sleep deprived. She was only a few weeks old and then I kept having this recurring nightmare. And in the nightmare, I would find a baby in her cot and it would, it would be dead and I wouldn't be able to revive the baby and I would like scream and I thought okay the next time that nightmare happens I'm gonna become lucid I'm gonna recognize that I'm dreaming and just see what happens and so it happened again and in the middle of screaming having found this baby dead in the cot I became lucid and um, And I was suddenly like really angry that I was having that dream again um, because when I looked at the baby in the cot, it didn't look like a baby at all. It just looked like a plastic doll. And I thought, how could I have been fooled by this? You know, why is this dream coming? And so I shouted, I picked up this doll and I shouted, Um, I refuse to have this kind of imagery in my dreams anymore. I am lucid and I know my baby is alive. And then I threw the doll down and it just vanished into the floorboards and all my anger and my anguish vanished as well. And I was filled with this kind of buzzing light and I felt, it just felt amazing. It felt like I'd somehow changed things and I, uh, I felt like I was really close to my dreaming mind, you know, like something really important had taken place. And I woke up buzzing uh, with that energy. And after that, my anxiety levels around my baby really went down. I just kind of managed to trust more in life, you know, that she would be okay. Um, so that was, for me, a very powerful psychological healing um, uh, that really kind of changed, <laughs> changed that phase in my life.
2: Wow. And is your, is your baby okay?
3: Yeah, yeah, she's a great big 10-year-old now. She's oh, that's friends. awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now let's chat with Becky Casarly. Uh, you might remember her. We we talked to Becky for our medical mysteries episode uh, when she told us about people who suffered from sleep disorders. Uh, Becky is also an expert in lucid dreaming, and she's had some interesting experiences lucid dreaming as a means of wish fulfillment.
0: So my name is Becky Casarly, and I'm a science writer. Um, I'm also a lucid dreamer so for about 10 years I ran a website called World of Lucid Dreaming which kind of uh, helped people understand how to lucid dream which is the really hard part actually learning how to become self-aware in your dreams and learn to control them Um, and then I used to write about um, what you can do in a lucid dream because it's very different from a regular dream. So yeah, it's it's a lot of wish fulfillment. Um, you, a lot of people go around trying to hump their dream characters at first because it's like the only thing they can think of. But then, gotcha. um, <laughs> then there's actually some really cool stuff you can do. Um, you can talk to your dream characters and you can ask them because they're like sort of bubbling up from the unconscious self. So you'll hear about this if you read into like depth psychology, you'll hear that there are sort of multiple personalities under the surface that we all have. doesn't mean we're crazy. This is just, this is just the nature of the the human self. And it's quite interesting getting to interact with those characters one-on-one. So, if I'm having a nightmare and I remember to become lucid, like, oh, this, is, this isn't this is real, phew, then I can kind of turn around to the nightmare figure and say, oh, what do you represent? Like what are you trying to achieve here? And they'll actually give you a pretty um, cogent response. They might say, um, oh, one, one, uh, one nightmare I had this like pointy shadowy Uh, figure was like throwing me up and down this corridor really hurt and then I kind of became lucid and I said to him what what are you doing and he said um I can't reconcile this and and he had written on on a notepad like something like is it more important to love someone else or to be loved yourself or something like that and it was like whoa that's really deep I, I was Holy just wow. uh, where did that come from? Um so so there's stuff like that. There's um tackling phobias. If you are so inclined, oh, like I interesting. I have a sort of phobia of spiders which has eased over the years because I'll like summon up a spider in a lucid dream and talk to it. Sometimes you can give it no voice. you can make it a cartoon, you can give it a personality, whatever you want. That's so you're fun. kind of, yeah, you, you can just meet this, this object of fear head on and kind of get to know it while deep down knowing, well, it's actually, it's not real. So that's really cool. So
2: let's revisit Dr. Johnson, who makes a living in part by taking trips around the world to help people learn how to lucid dream. She's got some tips for us, so get out your notebooks and prepare to start your dream journals.
3: Yeah, sure. So one really good way of training yourself to be a lucid dreamer is to focus on your non-lucid dreams to build up a connection, with your dreaming mind. So it's really good to try and remember your dreams, write them down, just write down the title or draw a picture if you don't have time to write down the whole dream. But that's a very important connection to build. Um, And also meditating before you go to bed, even if it's just for five minutes, just to kind of clear your mind and then set that intention uh, that you will become lucid in your dreams that night. Also during the day, you can do reality checks. So um, for example, you know, just keep asking yourself, am I dreaming? Which state of consciousness am I in right now? And for example, you could try closing your nose with your fingers, closing your nostrils, and then trying to breathe through your nose. Because if you try that in a dream, then you won't be able to breathe but you will be able to breathe through even though you've kind of closed it with your fingers because they're not your real physical fingers but in waking life you can't so it's one little reality check that you can find yourself then repeating in the dream state and realizing that you're lucid um, you can also jump up in the air a little bit and see if you float, things like that, just kind of play around with lucidity and set your intention to to become lucid. One really good way of entering a lucid dream is to focus on the pre-sleep imagery. Um, So this, this is called hypnagogic imagery. It comes up as we're just falling asleep and that's a gateway to lucid dreaming. If you can retain your conscious awareness, you can move through that imagery and watch it build up into an actual dream. Um, also, if you cultivate body awareness, so if you do yoga and, or you just sort of breathe and feel your body in waking life, because your dream body feels so different. So anything you can do to kind of recognize the difference between your sort of much sort of heavier, more solid waking uh, life body and then the lightness, the flexibility and the stretchability of the dream body, uh, that's a really good way of noticing if you're dreaming. I often become lucid by realizing that I'm kind of floating along the street, you know. Um, Yeah, and uh, again, as I mentioned at the start, if you try waking up after, say, five hours of sleep, write down your dreams and then go back to sleep because then you'll enter a, a period of rapid eye movement sleep uh, where you have really vivid, very crazy, weird, bizarre dreams, and they can be really great lucidity triggers, you know? You see a tiger walking into your living room and you realize, ah, oh, that can't be happening, I must be dreaming. And so it just is a trigger to get you lucid in your dreams.
1: So Ryan, I've had maybe maybe four or five lucid dreams over the course of my entire lifetime, and, and they're all pretty memorable. Mm. Um, I won't, uh, let's not get into it now, but have you ever had a lucid dream? I, I haven't.
2: I don't think, I don't think by the definition that we've talked about and uh, that we talked about with Dr. Johnson, but I've had dreams where I've almost kind of been there a little bit where I know I'm dreaming and if something particularly um you know, negative is happening. I can actually say, yo, let's wake up and just be done with this. And I can kind of wake myself up. Hmm. So I, I have that. And I think Dr. Johnson kind of was like, oh, that's close. Yeah. You're pretty close to it. But I've never again. I didn't really know that this was possible. You just need
1: to go one level deeper.
2: <laughs> I've always this is what people always tell me. Uh, they tell anyway. So um, but I do have a recurring dream. Oh, yeah. And it's happened a lot. And I swear that this is true. Like over the past 20 years or or at least over the past 10 years when I've had a cell phone. So I have this dream and you know me, I am not shy when it comes to like going up to people, especially if it's like a celebrity or something like that. I will go up to them. I will say hello. I will ask to get a selfie. I, I will do that. I've done that All the time, right? So I have this recurring dream where I'm in a very populated place, maybe like an airport or a mall or something like that, and I see a celebrity, and it could be anybody, really. Uh, It's been different people throughout different dreams. But I always kind of go up to them, and I'm like, oh, it was so great to meet you. I would love to get a selfie. And I get out my phone, and the phone always malfunctions. I am never actually able to get a picture with the person, and they always have to leave for some reason. They're like, I got to go. I can't. And I've done it like three or four times, and it never works. And it's so frustrating. Hmm. And I've had certain people try to tell me what this dream means, and it could mean anything. Uh, I was told that I was very stressed out, maybe. I don't really get stressed out very much, though.
1: So So technology is blank blocking you. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's doing. Well,
2: that was kind of my fear is that apparently I feel maybe very inadequate about something and that 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 I am not actually achieving what I want to achieve in this dream. I don't know. That's that's maybe I need to self heal. See, I want a lucid dream so I can go in the dream, make the phone work. And actually take the selfies with the celebrities. Well, if That's you could, what I if want you could lucid
1: dream, you could suddenly grab like Paul Rudd's hand and just launch into the sky and take him on a flying tour. That would
2: be amazing. Into a volcano. If I could do that.
1: So if there are any psychologists out there um, who want to weigh in and <laughs> interpret Ryan's dream. Please Or if do. there's anybody uh, that has um, the ability to lucid dream at will or has had an interesting lucid dream. Let us know about it. Tell us. Email us at notcast at Ripley's or uh, tweet us at Ripley's. All right, so we'd like to thank Dr. Claire Johnson and Becky Casarly for sharing their stories with us today. So on the topic of dreams, Ryan, did you know that in 2018, a team of researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology developed a system for shaping people's dreams On our website, ripleys.com, read about how MIT has a device that can manipulate the moments between wakefulness and full sleep. Believe it or not. They have fit a patient's hand with a glove, asking them to tense their fist. As their grip loosens and they fall asleep, a nearby artificial intelligence robot delivers pre-programmed phrases to shape the content of their dreams during... What they say is a highly suggestible moment for our dreaming selves. Find this and other dreamy stories at Ripley's So we've talked a lot in this episode about what
2: goes on inside our heads. Uh, similarly, a topic that's been running rampant recently on social media, the inner monologue or that little voice that we all hear inside our heads. Uh, or do we? It turns out that not everyone does. And those who do and, and those who don't, have a hard time believing that the other exists. Uh, Vice reported in January how Twitter user at Kyle Plant Emoji raised this idea, uh, stating that uh, some people's thoughts are are like sentences they hear, and some people just have abstract nonverbal thoughts and have to consciously verbalize them. For some people, inner thoughts tend to take the form of language, while for others, nonverbal cues tend to dominate. Admittedly, this is an oversimplification of the existing research. Although experts agree that not everyone experiences inner self-talk, psychologist Russell T. Herbert wrote at Psychology Today that inner speech is a, quote, robust phenomenon, but not a universal one. He says, I'm confident about the individual differences. Some people talk to themselves a lot, some never, some occasionally, he said. Most people straddle the line between verbal and visual thinking, with the two often intermingling in a single train of thought, according to the Harvard Gazette. Researchers from Harvard's psychology department found that visual thinking tended to prompt a certain amount of verbal thought and vice versa. Research also suggests that one function of internal self-talk functions as a simulated outside perspective on one's own actions and thoughts. Weiss says that most research seems to agree there's no superior mode of inner thought, one way or the other. But for all of us who talk to ourselves, sing to ourselves, argue with ourselves, or yes, even ignore ourselves, Ripley's will be here to entertain you, and in some cases, tell your stories. Believe us or not. (gasps)
1: Ripley's Believe It or Not cast is produced by myself, Ryan Clark, and Sabrina Seek. Our executive producer is Amanda Joyner. I edit the show. The Not Cast is recorded at the historic Herzog Studio, home of the nonprofit Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. The NotCast intro theme was put together by Colton Cruz, and our ending theme song is by the band Wussy. If you enjoyed this episode, please go tap that fifth star on Apple Podcasts. If you have comments, questions, or ideas, email us at NotCast at Ripley's.com or tweet at Ripley's. Speaking of five-star ratings, catch us next week on the NotCast as we go out for a night of fine dining. That's right, we take you to the top-rated restaurant in all of London, one that just happens to hold a shocking secret. Bon appetit! That's next week on Ripley's Believe It or NotCast.
0: or not